This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Punk Rock and Beer Podcast. Really quickly, before we get into this episode, I wanted to mention my Patreon. Patrons get all of the podcasts a week early. I do giveaways. I do some other stuff. But most importantly, if you want me to review your music or artwork or anything else, Patreon is the way to do that. Every month, I do a call for submissions. All you need to do if you want me to review something is just post it in the comments of that post. Then I will review it live on Twitch for the hundreds of people that tune into every stream and post it on Patreon for everyone to check out. All you need to do is just join at the $10 and up level, stay tuned for that post, and you are good to go. So if that sounds cool to you and you want me to review your music, artwork, or anything else, hit the link in the show notes for this episode. And thank you very much to everyone who supports over on Patreon. Johnny, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for making time for this. I have to say, I almost wanted to put a paper bag over my head before I did this because I don't know if I'm going to be able to handle how gross I look being on the same screen as you. No, I look like a crusty emo. I mean, this is not going to hold up in like 10 years, so don't even worry. (laughs) You know, imagine me with this hair in 10 years. I mean, I've already kept it going for about 10 years of my life. So I would pay the price to be that beautiful for even a day. I would I would sell my soul for the rest of eternity. Well, thank you so much for having me. I've been like (laughs) binging the podcast for a long time and always watching your YouTube videos. So it's quite the honor. I appreciate it. On that note, I I do have to ask. It's it's kind of interesting. You tweeted a while ago uh, something like, I look like a 2005 emo album cover or something. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is interesting because you're actually a little bit too young to have kind of been part of that when it was around. So why do you look like a 2005 emo album cover? You know what the crazy thing is, is I'm blonde naturally. So this whole look is the complete opposite of what I was naturally given. I don't know. Honestly, I never had a MySpace. I missed out on that wave. And uh, I guess I just got in late and I just kept going with it. And I found a style that I felt comfortable with. And that's really as simple as that. What was like your entry point into this whole like aesthetic and era and stuff? When I was younger, my sister made me like a CD with a bunch of random bands on it. And one of the bands was like AFI and then, you know, early Pank the Disco stuff. So that kind of introduced me to this world. And then throughout that, I started listening to bands that were more in the MySpace scene, like um, Never Shot Never and the Ready Set and uh, Metro Station and all that stuff. And that really became something I just really enjoyed. Um 
So I saw their cool hair and their piercings and I was like, <laughs> that's cool. I'm going to go for that. And it did not instantly work out, but eventually I kind of figured out what works for me. So, well, that corner of like the never shout, never ready set Steven Jerzak kind of thing. People don't ever talk about that, but it was like, that was a big deal at the time. Massive. Yeah. I mean, especially never shout, never. I mean, he pioneered like so many people to pick up an acoustic guitar, ukulele, even before like 21 pilots and all that stuff. You know, he was the guy that he was the you guy play ukulele. You're picking it up probably because of him. I mean, hundred percent, maybe hello. Goodbye as well. They played ukulele as well, but yeah, that whole MySpace world guys with cool hair and some tattoos going on. Have you seen what he's up to lately? Yes. <laughs> it's unfortunate. Yeah. It, I mean, I just wish him the best. That's all I could. I mean, I'm, I'm just someone that wants the best for anyone. And I think yeah. like, you know, he's obviously struggled with his mental health and drugs and all that. And I yeah. just want anybody that's struggling with that to, get better. So, you know, only good vibes for him and stuff. And he's extremely talented. I've interviewed him twice. Really? Yeah. He's at the time, like mm. first time was in 2010, maybe something like that. Oh, and, uh, he was like really smart and on it and, uh, incredibly talented. Yeah. Like just people don't understand what a ridiculously fucking talented songwriter he is. Like he can write something amazing in like 15 minutes. Yeah. I mean, it's just raw talent. I mean, he was mostly known for just playing straight up acoustic. So that's like as easy as that seems to some people. That's it's kind the hardest. of so yeah, it's so raw that it's very difficult in a lot of ways. So yeah, I could talk about Never Shall Never all day. <laughs> I had no idea. I hadn't looked him up in a while and and I did. And and I'm I'm not like trying to No, I, it's totally understandable. Knock the guy, but it's like he literally looks like a crackhead now, like a homeless crackhead. It's rough. I mean, yeah, he struggled. I I've I've heard some rough things, but yeah, that's uh I just wish him the best. I do too. I do too. I I I liked him a lot when I interviewed him, and it was interesting because like he very clearly did not want anything to do with like you know the eighth grade girls that kind of latched onto his music and stuff. He was mm -hmm. not into that one bit. Yeah, I mean that's com I I totally understand that to an extent because there's been moments with me doing this ever since I I kind of started YouTube when I was like 15 or so on the channel that I currently have and stuff and. It, that's all I wanted at first was just to be kind of like the cutesy, like fucking long haired guy. But there was moments where I was like, these videos are dumb or whatever. And I kind of started resenting what actually got me to where I am and stuff. And throughout time, I realized that's kind of silly, though. You can be more than one thing. You can. But at the same time, you know, people do kind of want you to stay the same as whatever you were when they discovered you. Absolutely. I mean, that's why nostalgia or like listening to older music that you grew up with or video games or whatever hits harder than playing the new stuff or a lot of the times because you have that nostalgia factor. So well, you said you started, what, 10 years ago or something like that. I, I didn't yeah. see your stuff. I, I guess I saw your videos a couple years ago, maybe. Um, how did you get started on all this? <sighs> It's quite a journey. <laughs> Take us on the journey. Yeah, I mean, originally I started like anyone else. Like I, I was probably 12 or something. And I started making like skit videos like, you know, Ryan Higa from Niga Higa was doing that. And a lot of other YouTubers. So I was like kind of or Fred. I was trying to do my <laughs> own variation of that on this very old channel that I had that I eventually deleted. And then eventually um, I, I was, you know, doing this website called You Now, which was like a live streaming website before Twitch. And I kind of grew an audience on there at like 14 or so. And then um, I randomly was, you know, I was a fan of Brian stars and D fizzy. Who's another YouTuber like OG. And uh, I went to his second tour, which had like ghost town and catching your clouds and um, Joel Favier, which 
uh, you know, um, but yeah, I went there and I um, met him and he instantly, me as a 15 year old was like, oh, I can monetize this guy to an extent. Cause I was trying to look like never shot never back then. Right. And yeah. And uh, I was like, so you, you had somewhat of a start on YouTube first. Yeah. I mean, mostly on you now, because by that point, I mean, I was really just, I guess like I had like a really small channel that would get like maybe 2000 viewers or something. Uh-huh. It was, you know, just kind of throwing it together on my phone, but yeah. And then Brian smelled fresh meat. Yeah, supposedly. I mean, apparently, yeah, I've talked to my friend, my now friend, D Fizzy and stuff, Damon. And uh, yeah, instantly he like saw that it was marketable. And for me, I just wanted, I didn't, I was like a lost kid in my life. You know, I went through my dad passing away when I was really young and I didn't really do well in school. I had dyslexia and I just didn't vibe with it. I was very troubled. And uh, yeah, so I, I just wanted to be like those people that did music or YouTube and that was kind of it. I didn't, I mean, I, I, to an extent I thought about like making a living off of it, but I was so young that I didn't really fully think of that part yet. But yeah, I mean, he saw that we met at his show and, uh, instantly, like I kind of wiggled my way into like doing merch for him, which I didn't even know how to count or anything. So it didn't make any sense. I'm sure he didn't care. Yeah, no. And my mom was super supportive and was like, you know, just like trusting and stuff and let me go and do that. Cause I was just going through a lot of mental health problems, uh, and that just seemed like the right answer. And, um, you know, I give him credit. I mean, without him, I wouldn't have gotten to where I am and stuff. So there is positives to it. You're pretty, I guess, I don't know if complimentary of Brian is the word, because you're not, No, you know, <laughs> yeah, to, but like. But I give him credit where it's due. Yeah, you don't just hate on him. No, I mean, I gave him, there was a, I mean, we had a huge falling out when we started doing the collab channel stuff. And um, it was because he, you know, started uh, managing every single person on that channel, plus anyone that was in the like, YouTuber emo scene. Right. And it just became really businessy. And uh, that kind of made things complicated as like somebody that's trying to be an influencer themselves and a uh, manager and all that stuff. And it really made us uh, butt heads, especially when we eventually did our collab channel, My Digital Escape. And we uh, did a tour for that that was doing really well. And it was a full bus tour. And um, it was like, okay, man, like even as an 18 year old kid, which I was on that tour, I was like, you got to kind of pick, man. You're making everyone really stressed and it's just feels kind of wrong, honestly. Like, I don't know. So, but I mean, without him, yeah, I mean, he, he was, he was very smart in some ways, but I think some ways like things did not age well, like a yeah. lot of his interviews included. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, it's crazy. Like that's the time when I realized how important YouTube was because mm-hmm. I didn't really pay that much attention to YouTube before that, because it was a lot of just like you know, stupid cat videos or skits for challenge videos. Yeah. Yeah. And like, not to put any of that stuff down, but it's like, I was an adult and I'm like this, I don't care about this. Totally. But then I went to warp tour. I think it was 2015 maybe. Mm -hmm. And the lines for like the YouTubers, especially Brian were longer than the lines for any band. And I was like, Holy shit. Yeah. Well, that's an interesting time. So on that tour, I was initially supposed to be the merch guy. But since I was hanging out with them and kind of starting my YouTube channel up, I kind of started getting recognized too much to even be doing that, just to be realistic with it. And I was only 17 on that tour, maybe 16, uh, the first one I did. And then I eventually did a second one with them. But those lines were ridiculous. And honestly, it was uh, really hard to even fathom what was going on because it just kind of was my normal growing up life at that point. But I mean, yeah, back then, like the bands hated us. I was going to ask. Yeah, because there might be like literally 200 people in line. Yeah. For you guys. Oh, no, it was even more than that, dude. It was 
ridiculous, honestly. Like like a line around the block. It never ended. And there's 20 people in line for a band. Yeah, it, it really didn't end, which was weird because, I mean, I've seen Jeffree Star at Warped Tour and I would say Jeffree had like the longest line that I could remember. It was up there for sure. And uh, I don't think it was mostly because of me or anything. I think it was definitely because of Brian at the time and Damon and stuff. They were very, you know, in that world. But for me, it was normal, though, and I didn't really think about it. I didn't think about being around all these bands. I didn't. But uh, a lot of the bands did have a problem with it. I remember like bands would tweet about it and I don't want to say anybody's names because sure. it doesn't really matter and I don't want to put anyone down, but there was it was relevant. And I, I don't really blame them completely. I think it was just hard to grasp. But throughout time, you know, I think some people did like mess with it and stuff and appreciated it. And we were trying to film the whole event and cover it and try to, I don't know, do the social media aspect of it. But I mean, you guys really were ahead of the game, though. You see yeah. a couple years after that, there's all these influencer houses and people investing in them and blah, blah, blah. Like, and it worked. And maybe there was somebody doing it before you guys. I don't know. But it, that was the first example of it that I saw. Yeah, there was um one other channel that was more in the mainstream world that was called Our Second Life. They were like one of the early like lab channels. There was a couple smaller ones, but they were like the main one. But my Digital Escape like only lasted a year and a half or so. Right. And in that time, it did really well. It almost hit a million subscribers, but then it all collapsed and stuff. And back when a million subscribers was a, an even bigger number than now. I mean, it's still a lot, but back then it was a huge number. Yeah, absolutely. And um, yeah, I mean, I think the context of or the content that made it like big on that channel, though, uh, definitely looking back at it now is like, oh, my God, like and not even all the videos are up anymore. Because I deleted all my videos eventually, and my ex did as well, um, Alex, and you know our friend Shannon actually did as well. So three people deleted all their videos off that channel. But there was some definitely like out of pocket. Um, as a you know, if I was Brian, I would not have encouraged it. I guess. Yeah, that's what I remember seeing at the time. I was like, this feels like I shouldn't. Like I didn't watch that stuff because I was like, this feels like I shouldn't be looking at this. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, there was back like back in the day, YouTube was overly sexualized and stuff. That was kind of what got views. There was like the someone's getting naked challenge and stuff like that. It's right. like <laughs> right. ridiculous, really out of pocket stuff. We kind of just rode that wave. But the weird thing about it is that, you know, at the time I was like 17 or 18. And then, you know, Brian was 25 or so, maybe right. even older. So I don't know. I wouldn't have been even hanging out with those people at that age, I guess. Now that I'm now that me currently i'm like 25 so i can totally see that perspective and i'm like that is just not something i'd be comfortable with so like could you imagine at your age even being in the same room as like a 16 year old alone you're like hell no <laughs> you know i mean if it's like my friend's like little sister with us then it's like whatever but i'm not like gonna like you know be alone with somebody that it's like a minor it's fucking weird so let alone have them live with you yeah i'm curious and i'm not trying to be critical of anybody because I understand this is the questions people want answers for. I got you. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm curious what the parents were thinking about all this. Yeah. So like I said, my dad passed away. Um, my mom was the only one in my life at that point. And I was going through mental problems like 5150 and stuff. And yeah, I was just not well. And I would go to therapy and stuff like that. And this was like something I really wanted to do. I wanted to be like these artists and YouTubers and Back then, as silly as it sounds, people, I guess, were just more trusting. Like there was not, you know, the blood on the dance floor, stuff like that. Like it didn't really come out that people were creepy as much. Like I'm sure there were cases, but it wasn't to the level that it is now. So my mom saw this opportunity like I did. And we were like, okay, like this guy's going to help me become a YouTuber. Like 
he seems nice. He's, you know, she met him as well and stuff. And um, I moved in with him to Nebraska for like a year. But the interesting part about his side of the family is that his family didn't even know I lived with him for the year and a half or so. Like, I remember the first time I met his family was on Warp Tour after already living with him for like a year and a half or so. And my friend Damon was like, wait, they don't know who you are. And I was like, oh, no, they, no, no, he hides that I live with them. Like I, I literally, when I lived there, I hid in his apartment, like pretty much. And uh, we would go to Walmart and that was it. Yeah. And I didn't think anything of it. So it was fucking sketchy. Yeah, for sure. And I slept on his couch for like, you know, he had like a loft. So it was like the upstairs, you know, no doors, but like the upstairs. And then like, that's where he slept. And then I had the couch that I would sleep on and, uh, now looking back at it, it was like, oh my God, that's weird. And um, there's a lot more weirder stuff. Like, I mean, he would like force me alcohol, like be like, oh, you got to be able to keep up with the band. So he would hand me alcohol and stuff. And now I'm like, oh my God, that's weird. Yeah. And I was the first like uh, test dummy for his uh, management. Like he instantly, when I started making money, wanted to take, I think it was 20% of everything I made. It was a 360 deal. So yeah. And that lasted until I- I remember he had that whole like, tearful apology video kind of thing which was sort of like the beginning of the end for him as i recall yeah that apology he made two videos so he took down the he like posted one it wasn't good enough i guess he took it down and then an hour later or so uploaded another one now that i pissed him off enough i guess like he took both of them down and they're just not even up anymore which is fair but I want to move on from Brian sure. because I want to talk about Johnny, not Brian. But there, I, I do have one question. I don't know if you can answer this one. Mm. So my favorite thing about Brian is when he uh, made fun of you, called you Mr. Six Inches. Oh, okay. Yeah. Implying that six, a six inch dong is small. Correct. My question is, how big is Brian Starr's dong? Like, is he packing 11 inches or something that to him, six inches is laughable? Yeah, he has to be. I'm, I'm sure it, like whatever he has probably like doesn't have a blood flow, to be honest, with how big it sounds. Um, He's got like a, an, a a baby arm or something. Yeah. I mean, he's a tall guy, so it's either really small or it's massive. So definitely above six inches, though. If you had to guess, I feel like it's going to go one way or the other. Either it's uh, like this. Like a, yeah. a a needle, sure. You know, like hey, it's all about the length. <laughs> yeah, is it like a quarter of an inch wide and a foot long, mm -hmm. or is it a tuna can? Which would you guess? Unfortunately, I think it's pretty foul, but I would say a tuna can. Unfortunately, <laughs> I just I don't know. He's got that little dick energy, so I don't know how else to put it. So an inch long, four inches wide. Yeah, I I'm only assuming though. I'm, I'm luckily I've never seen that. I'm kind of surprised. I did pants him when I was younger once at Warped Tour. I'm not going to lie, but I was, you know, a child. That must have been know. the best day of his life. <laughs> no, he was very mad at me. I remember he like chased me. He was not happy about that. It was kind of a dick thing for me to do, but I was young. So I was like trying to be a dick, I guess. But, well, you know. mission accomplished. Well, okay. So you uh, stopped doing that in what, 2017 or something like that? For the collab channel, um, I stopped doing that. Yeah, I, I guess something like that. It's been years. <laughs> it still gets gets thrown in my face, but yeah, it's it's been years for sure. And you had a chance to kind of you know do something something else through life or keep doing you know social media stuff. What was next for you? Yeah, I mean, honestly, I just kind of kept out what I was doing. I mean, um, during that time, like there was a period where I kind of took a break because I went through like a really long relationship and then it ended and my mental health wasn't very well. So for a whole year or so, I was really kind of like 
off the grid a little bit and kind of messed up, I guess, going through my own mental health problems. But after that, you know, I kind of like still kept out what I was doing though. Um, and nowadays I've kind of, I've just moved back to LA and I've been doing a lot of new music with some friends and kind of getting that going and trying to get back into the YouTube game because the YouTube situation has changed so much. I mean, what yeah. people watch nowadays is not really personality based, but more so like commentary or stuff like that. You have to really be smart with it. So I've been trying to like kind of get with it so I don't have to get without it. And um, just kind of keeping up with the music stuff and really trying to hopefully eventually get a good opportunity with that and just keep it going. So, so how much do you sort of, I guess, want to do music versus YouTube or do you think of those things separately or tell me about that? I honestly, I used to, I used to be like, I feel like I have to do one because other people won't take me serious or something, but it's never been something I wanted to do where I like separated it. Cause I've always enjoyed blogging, especially if I was to go on tour or something, I really like to have those memories. And I think it's, I, I enjoy watching other people's videos like that. So for me, I've never really wanted to not do one or the other, but I would love to get an opportunity with my music and grow that and have more support, maybe with like a label or something someday. That would be fantastic if there's somebody that's, you know, cool. So it's interesting to me that people like don't take quote unquote YouTuber music series, people in the industry, mm -hmm. I think. No, especially. Yeah, of course. It's yeah. like, oh, well, he's not a real musician. He's a YouTuber. And like, I don't understand. He makes music. How is he not a musician? You know, it's the same thing that happened with MySpace artists, though. Like they started on MySpace and a lot of those people really proved that their music is legitimate. And um, there's a lot of YouTubers that, yeah, I, I get why people would feel that way or whatever, especially back in the day. But a lot of people have proven them wrong, like um, Patty from As It Is or even Justin Bieber started on YouTube, if you want to consider that. And the great Brian Starr started on YouTube. No, I'm just kidding. And of course, your boy, Jake Paul. Every yeah, day Jake Paul. Bro with the Disney Channel flow. Absolutely. A, a freaking classic, honestly. The numbers don't lie. But I mean... TikTok is the same way as well. Like, yeah. I mean, people don't take it super seriously, but a lot of artists that are getting the number one hits right now are coming from that platform. Maybe they're not keeping the fan base, but they are getting hits and um, that's undeniable. I don't know. I think it's just a platform to put your stuff out there, especially when you don't have a team and what else are you supposed to do? You know? Right. Exactly. What are you, yeah. What are you supposed to do? Go play bar shows to six people? No. Yeah. And then you lose money. Like, you know yeah. what I mean? And like, that's as somebody that already is like not financially to the point you want to be at, like, because you have to record your music and stuff. And that's not cheap. Playing bar shows and losing money is not ideal. So I feel like that stuff's just a lot of people who don't understand social media and don't want to put in the work. Yeah. Hating on people who are successful on social media instead of learning from them. It's yeah, it's like anything that's going to happen, though. I mean, like with making content in general or being online or anything like that, you're going to get criticism, unfortunately, and it is a never ending cycle. So you got to kind of just continue, honestly, if it's something that you really want, whether it's YouTube videos or uh, music or touring or anything, you just got to continue. Um, even if it like beats you down, sometimes you just got to get back on the horse. I definitely get beat down by it sometimes. Do you? Yeah, not. I mean, it depends on who you're talking to. There's definitely like a handful of people that don't mess with me that just, I don't know if they do sometimes like me and they just want to talk shit because that's how I respond or they don't like me in general, which is fair. I can understand why they wouldn't. Um, But it's, <laughs> I don't know. I think it's really kind of ridiculous most of the time though, because yeah. I watch like when there's like people like butting heads with people, especially like I'll, 
I'll name drop like Ronnie Rocky's always going off on Twitter at someone. Um, yep. I watch all that. Of course, it's very entertaining, <laughs> but I don't understand the back and forth completely like getting into it. Like I don't really try to do that too much. Or if I do, I like try to be respectful about it. And sometimes these people just don't care. They just want to be entertained. So yeah, I think that's what's probably happening most of the time. Yeah. But when you hear it, you know, a hundred times a day for months and months and months, it's like, all right, I get it. I suck. <laughs> yeah, I definitely, I think I honestly had it way worse when I was coming up on the YouTube thing. But I think now that I've been around long enough, I guess, like it definitely has kind of calmed down. I wouldn't say it's gone or anything, but definitely calmed down. Cause at first it was, I was a young like kid that was hanging out with somebody like, and then they saw Brian like become emo. And then it's like, Oh, <laughs> is that Johnny's fault? And I'm like, no, that's not my fault. I told him to do the opposite. I take no responsibility for that haircut. Yeah. I was like, if you want to do it, you want to do it, but stick with the curly hair. That's what makes you cool. Yeah. But people like thought that was because of me and stuff. And I remember like, you know, just growing up, like being an alternative kid, it was just an easy target. I mean, one of my first videos that really went viral was uh, me crying at like 17 about like losing my dad and stuff. And it got like in a day or so got like a million views or something. Oh, wow. And people were like, yeah, but since I was so vulnerable and stuff, uh, people would just like go at you in the worst ways. And um, yeah, so that, that, that kind of crying about losing his dad. Pretty much. Yeah. Like just anything that you could think of. So it kind of was a good uh, pushing yourself out there and being like, this is how messed up it can get in a way. Right. So. Yeah. Well, I like how you, uh, your Omega content is some of my favorite stuff. Oh, yeah. You just kind of really lean into that. Yeah. I need to do more of that. I, I, I don't know. It's weird. I'm very like antisocial and stuff. So when I go into the Omega world, it's, it's very tough. It's like going out in public still. It's like, it's tough, but I really enjoy it. And I, with that type of content, when I do do it, I just kind of like to exist <laughs> and then watch people just commentate on my existence. Um, because apparently in the year 2023, it's still so hard to fathom somebody having long hair and piercings or eyeshadow, but on Omegle, you connect with anybody from the world. So, I mean, maybe it's not as common in certain areas or it died out completely. I don't understand, but I just like to exist and see how people will respond to it. I feel like it goes either one of two ways. Um, you'll get a dude that's like, wow, bro, you're like really good looking. I just, I just gotta yeah. say like, I'm going to go, but you're really good looking. Or they really want to go in on you. Yeah. And I, I prefer like, I mean, honestly, any of those responses are great. I'm happy with those. And people will ask me like, why do you go on there? I'm like to literally get trolled <laughs> because that's it's great. That's, I, I enjoy watching that content. I enjoy seeing what humans have to say about others, especially when it's so stupid. So I like doing those. How, how many tries do you have to go through usually before you get something good it's it's very hit or miss you know but i usually when i do those videos for a while i was like live streaming it but i think now i'm just going to kind of film them individually when i do them again i uh probably film for like an hour or two you know i've just to get like through. a handful of good ones yeah because i really want them i really want that like one that's like super good to the golden yeah. one and sometimes i miss out on those but yeah it's it's very unpredictable you never know who's going to be on and stuff so I'm also a big fan of your uh, food content, like your oh, Korean you. snack one recently. Yeah. Yeah. I've been like kind of, I don't know. I like food. So I enjoy, I kind of want to get more into that. I've been like doing like challenges where I like try like one food color for a day and stuff and getting into like transformation videos where I transform into like preppy and stuff. Mm -hmm. I have like a new one coming out like that and trying to like do a handful of different type of content now. Um, 
maybe a little more commentary as well on some people and stuff just to give my perspective. So trying to figure out what my theme is, maybe just multiple things, but you know. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Lucky Land Casino, asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. But first, I want to thank DistroKid for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. If you're not familiar, DistroKid is a digital music distribution service that musicians use to put their music into online stores and streaming services. So in plain language, if you have ever wondered how to get your music on iTunes, Spotify, Apple Music, YouTube Music, Amazon, Deezer, Tidal, and many, many more, there's like dozens and dozens of different streaming services. DistroKid is the way to do it. It is super easy. I have used it to put my music on Spotify. It took me maybe five minutes to like set it up and upload everything. It's legitimately awesome. I am sincerely a fan of this company and their product. And for those of you who have asked, you can also upload your music to TikTok with DistroKid. And if you want a chance to get featured on DistroKid's Spotify playlists, You can do that by submitting a song through Spotlight and getting your fans to vote for you. You can also use HyperFollow to get more Spotify followers. You can promote your new release as well as Spotify Canvas. That's where there's the video in the background in the player. And when you share it on Instagram, it shares that video too to make your Spotify release pop. And Spotify Canvas is available to all DistroKid artists. Like I said, as you can probably tell from this, like I am sincerely a fan of DistroKid. DistroKid can do everything I just talked about and so much more. So be sure to sign up with my link, which is in the show notes for this episode, to get 7% off your first year. That link is in the show notes of this episode or go to distrokid.com slash VIP slash the punk rock NBA. And thanks again to DistroKid for sponsoring this episode. Doing the variety thing, like I would love to have like a variety channel because I mean, no creator wants to kind of be stuck just doing one thing all the time. Yeah. But that is kind of what people want. Come for. Yeah. How do you look at that? I mean, I'm just like, when I started watching YouTube, there was nothing like that. It was just like you post and people follow you because you're you and you can do whatever because they come for you. It's not like that anymore. It doesn't feel like at least I, I, I can't really, I don't know. I think if I were to do one topic or something, I would get burnt out completely. And with just music content, like, or just Omegle videos, I'd be like, this is all I'm doing. Um, that's why it's nice to be doing like my solo music or what I started up with my friends recently called ghost house, which is like another collective band thing we're doing and um, all that type of stuff. Or like with, you know, YouTube videos, like transformation videos, the food videos, the yeah, all that type of stuff. I think it's, I've never really been able to stick in a bubble. I just don't, I don't prefer that. I think I would really hate my life, honestly, doing that. So I don't know. 
it does remind me of old school YouTube, like what you do, yeah, you know, back when it was more personality driven. And uh, I don't know if that's going to come back or not, but uh, I wish it would because it's like even there's a lot of people that I like. Take someone like MKBHD. Like, I like him. He seems like a cool guy, but like, I don't want to just hear him talk about, you know, iPhones every time. Like, I would like I would like him to do something interesting because I just think he's a cool guy. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I I think now if you want to thrive in YouTube and stuff like which is I feel like people are running out of things for this. But downfall videos are really where it's oh, at. Fuck. I'm a problem with that because whenever I'm doing a Twitch stream, I'm like, I don't know what to do. I'm going to watch <laughs> this guy's downfall. I'm going to watch this person that I used to love and I'm going to watch how they spiraled into hell. That's kind of fucked up. Like, I hate those videos. I hate them. They do better than anything, though. A hundred percent. They definitely do. Yeah. It's people love to hear about people they cared about and where they are now or how they're not doing as well now. And it's like, it's really kind of messed up because these are like real human beings. And I understand though, because I click on it as well. So I can't hate on it too much, but it just seems really toxic at the end of the day. I think it sucks that people have this urge to basically point and maybe not even laugh, but at least like gawk at someone's life going down in flames, even if they're an asshole, like there's usually a reason for it. Like all these Nickelodeon and Disney stars and stuff, mm. like almost all of them had horrible things happen to them, all kinds of abuse and stuff. Yeah. And not to say that we shouldn't talk about it, but it's like, you know, everyone has the fucking thumbnail with like the graph going down. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Or, and then like the enhanced photo of them. Yeah. I, I totally know. Yeah. I mean, it's, I guess it's just where the platform currently is. I think that's one of the, I mean, podcasts do well as well for people and stuff. I think it's just like seeing the growth of, or the change and what people want to watch. People want to watch commentary. I feel like a lot of things that do well nowadays is talking about somebody that you used to care about almost too. Yeah. is like, and I feel like that's really interesting and I get it, but now people aren't really um, making as much real content because yeah. like I was watching a video of Chad Muska, the skateboarder, mm -hmm. and we, he's just vlogging his life and stuff. And it's like, man, he would spend years just kind of going through life and stuff and showing it. But now no one does that because they feel like they have to post every single day to maintain, you know, uh, to pay for their house or whatever, or just to live or to stay in the social atmosphere. I mean, all I do stuff. is talk about other people, what things other people did 15 yeah. years ago. Yeah. And, no, and, and I, 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 you know, I totally get it. <laughs> yeah. I, I would like to do something different, but it, like yeah. you said, it just, that's what pays the bills. That's what pays the bills. And that's like, that's just where it at, is at. And um, I hope it eventually kind of becomes like a little more, I don't know, open to people like making videos on themselves again. I think that'd be nice because I think people are going to really run out of things to talk about. And I think people already kind of are in the whole YouTube world because even when I've thought about doing commentary videos, I'm like, yeah, but this guy already did it so well. Like, right. Like, what am I supposed to say? So, yeah, I, I feel like basically the way it works is there's a very small number of people who actually do things with their lives. Mm -hmm. And then the rest of us talk about them. Yes. <laughs> we absolutely. all live off of their scraps. And I'm one of those people. Yeah, people are still talking about Justin Bieber and Selena Gomez to this day. So what can you say, man? It's like people cannot let go of the past. And I think I'm a little to blame for that, too, because I'm a little bit like that as well. But it's uh, it's I don't know. I don't know where it's going. We're all just kind of watching it evolve. That's just how life goes, I guess. I just want to take this moment to thank Ronnie Radke, MGK, 
and Corey Taylor for keeping the world interesting, <laughs> for giving me a reason to make videos and buying diapers for my son. Absolutely. I mean, as much as people hate on those people, they are entertainers 100%. So I can't really knock it too hard in that atmosphere. Yeah. Well, you've talked about um, mental health a few times mm. here, and I think you've been pretty open about yeah. dealing with some of that stuff, which I do too. Absolutely. How are you doing these days? You know, I'm trying. I uh, I just kind of have been like pushing myself to try to do more with my life than I was like last year or so. And I am trying to keep it going. I mean, there's moments like I think one of the biggest things I beat myself up for is just like, oh, you're not doing as well relevancy wise on the internet, which is an extremely toxic thing. Yeah. But I think we all kind of deal with that because even if we're doing super well now, it's so analytical. Because other people would be like, what are you talking about? Johnny has a million subscribers. Sure. And you're like, yeah, but someone else has two million and they get more views and this and that. Absolutely. Or you'll be like, oh, I'm doing really well. And then someone will be like, well, this streamer gets 70 million viewers <laughs> like <laughs> at once. Yeah. It's like, okay, cool. Yeah. I've just been kind of trying to, I don't know, take care of myself and keep pushing because otherwise like you can just fall into that trap of being stuck and I'm sure at one point I'll fall into it again because it's just how humans work. But I, uh, yeah, I've definitely always dealt with like the anxiety and depression thing and being my own worst critic. And, um, I'm just kind of always trying to learn how to balance it, I guess. And, um, for a while I was taking medication and then I just randomly stopped, but I've been okay ever since that. Why did you, why'd you stop? Uh, laziness. <laughs> I got <laughs> off tour. To be honest, I got off, uh, I did a tour with Save You Could Fly, um, last year and I just kind of randomly got lazy with it to be quite honest and then it was to the point where i'm like okay well now i haven't taken it for like two weeks so i guess i'm just off it um unless if i want to start it up again so it was just more so like anxiety pills and stuff like that just to try to help and i see i always question as well with that type of stuff i'm like am i like better because i'm like living through it i'm like it, i always second guess myself so yeah i just i've been kind of doing everything cold turkey though just being a normal dude and uh it's been going okay though. I think, uh, I moved back to LA and I've been around friends and I've been having them help me like try to get back into the social media game and really go at it and trying to be in, I don't know, live the LA experience. Cause I've been out here before, but I never really lived it. I didn't go out and all that stuff. So I've been trying to do that a little better, but keep it balanced. I wouldn't say that the LA entertainment influencer kind of scene is necessarily the healthiest group of people with the best mental health no it's not it's never you know do you you know is there any part of you that worries about that or how do you think about that absolutely i mean i i was super worried about moving back but um the reason why i mainly wanted to do it i guess is just because i found a group of friends that i really felt um inspiration with working with and doing content with and i know um you know they got a lot of friends here as well so they didn't really want to leave the area anyway so i was like yeah. okay you know um but the problem with I don't know. I mean, I'm definitely trying to just, I guess, make more of it this time because I lived out here for a couple of years and stuff and I just didn't leave my apartment or my house at all. So I'm trying to find like a good balance of living here and taking care of myself mm -hmm. and giving me my my own time while also, you know, going out and also experiencing why I'm in LA and all that stuff and around these people. So, yeah, I mean, if you want to collaborate with people Mm. And you actually take advantage of it. No better place on earth than LA for that. Yeah, it's it's like it's got benefits, but it's also extremely, I don't know, grimy. <laughs> so what can you say? Yeah. And the traffic is so fucking bad that you don't want to leave the house. 
Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So I've just been trying to experience it and I'm feeling it out. I've, I got like a year lease and I'm just kind of uh, seeing where it goes and seeing how I feel by the end of it. And um, it's all been good so far. You know, I've been here for like a month and a half and it's been good. And uh, because of it, I've been able to do some um, opportunities that I wouldn't have. Like I got to act in the Somerset's music video for the I new saw one. That. that was, yeah, that was really nice. Got to wear a suit. And it's about like actually taking those opportunities and doing it because back when I was here and stuff, I did not have the confidence or anything or the energy to do that stuff. So I'm just trying to live it up a little bit and uh, meet people, I guess. That's the whole point of being here. So, yep. Yep. Well, uh, I, th- I I don't remember if it was part of the Somerset thing or what, but I saw you got to be in the same room as Amaranth. No. Oh, I thought, okay. please. Yeah. Please tell me that you got her to autograph one of her fart jars. Um, no, I uh, didn't. Unfortunately, you uh, motherfucker. No, there's um, I got to know Amaranth because of like her team. Like they're uh, we've been working on this like kind of like I set my friends on fire kind of like song. I don't know if I'm even supposed to announce it, but it doesn't. I don't think it matters that much. <laughs> like in that oh, sense. Oh, so she's doing music. We're doing like a joke kind of like real song that's actually catchy, but it's like a okay. joke sale, and it's um, I have it all written and stuff, but. I'm I'm pretty much right now. I'm I'm trying to do my vocals on it, and it's just so fucking high for me. So I'm just trying to nail those. Um, that's actually what I'm going to do after this is try to get those to her and stuff. But um, so yeah, supposedly we've been you're like saying you can get me an autograph fart jar. Probably, yeah. I probably I, I don't I don't I don't know how I'd go about it, but I probably could. Um, but I'll yeah, that was it. a that was a wild experience. Like um, her team invited me to go, and I was like already out here, and I was like, okay, I can't miss out, and then we could like actually meet. So uh yeah it was crazy there was like xqc there from twitch and i got to meet him and all the i don't know just a lot of twitch streamers it was it was cool it was interesting (laughs) it was interesting i've never been around that many girls in bikinis in my life um so that was kind of scary but you know i try to keep eye contact (laughs) yeah exactly just eyes locked at all times yeah stand as close as possible so they know yeah. you're paying attention. That's that's my move. The whole thing was live streamed as well. The whole event too on like her uh, Twitch channel. So oh wow, yeah. So like when people would see me talking to people, they'd be like, "Why is that guy fucking shaking next to this girl?" I'm like, uh, <laughs> "Sorry, <laughs> I don't leave." But yeah, no, it was a great experience. Though everyone was really cool, and that's how that all came about. So hopefully we'll get the song out and stuff. It it seems like I don't know. It's really funny and stuff, and actually really catchy and stuff. And I think she'll be doing vocals on it as well. So. Nice. Well, that's the kind of stuff, you know, that not to say it can't happen if you live somewhere else, but it's a lot easier for that to happen if you're in LA. Yeah. It, um, I mean, the, the whole song thing was already coming about when I was back home, but the event and stuff and going and meeting those people, that is something that just happened because I was out in that area. So that was something I needed to take advantage of to actually like experience life. So I was like, I can't miss out on that. I would beat myself up for it. So yeah, it was interesting. <laughs> Uh, it was also cool that you were in the Somerset uh, video, which I actually didn't yeah. know about that until I saw you talking about it. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was cool. There's a a girl that was in it as well that just had like her song on like the Scream soundtrack with Mike Shinoda. They're both like doing that song together. I think her name's Kaylee. Um, but yeah, it was cool. I'm playing like the we're like working the same job and I'm playing the X or whatever. And we're like kind of battling and it's kind of got like a Quentin Tarantino vibe to it a little bit. Is that out yet? Yeah, the video just came out probably like four days ago or something. Oh, okay. And um, yeah, I've been listening to the Somerset like for years since like probably like 2015 or so. And they were on some of the warp tours and stuff. And uh, they asked me to be a part of it. And I was like, sure, I'll, I want to be doing stuff like that. So 
you know, it was cool. Got to yell at people. <laughs> I got Jess from the Somerset to uh, autograph uh, a hat once many years ago on uh, Warp Tour. That's fantastic. Um, yeah, it was not a Somerset hat. It was just whatever hat I happened to be wearing. Just a random like Vans hat or yeah. some shit. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. She wasn't very interested in chatting with me, but she seemed to be interested in talking to my wife. Oh, well, <laughs> so be it. So be it. But yeah. Yeah, I'll take it. It's all right. Hey, that's, you know, that's cool. But um, yeah, no, they were all really nice. It was cool. I uh, I don't know. It's cool to be. I like I, I want to get into like acting like that and stuff like that. I mean, that was like a I didn't have any like actual dialogue, but the whole like experience of like being the main character in a music video or something was definitely cool, especially since it's not my own or something. And that was cool. So it's always fun to do stuff like that. And I want to get more into that. So, well, you're in the right place for it. And it's amazing, you know, that you're, you're only 25, right? Yeah. But I, I feel like I'm at that point. I don't know. I see other people now and stuff and I'm like, ah, like, I don't know. Did I peak at 18? <laughs> you know what I mean? But I'm still trying. That's like what I always try to keep in mind is like, you only really lose when you fully give up. And yep. even if you have moments like that, like as long as you get back into it eventually, um, sooner the better, uh, then that's that's a W in a lot of ways, as the kids would say. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I would feel like my life didn't really come together until I was 34. Oh, okay, so I got some time. <laughs> yeah, but if, if, if you're a day over 34 and you don't have your yeah. life figured out, game over. All right, I'll make like a a big like uh, post it bo board with that right now and put it above my bed. Set a timer now, and uh, on your thirty fourth birthday, you got to delete yourself if you don't have things figured out. Yeah, it's interesting too because like we were bringing up Never Shot Never and stuff, and I'm like, I, I you know I've thought about like will will he come back with music or anything like that? Um, because you know a lot of us would love to see, especially with like when we were young fest and emo yeah. nights. It's like perfect for that guy to come back and i looked at it and i'm like oh my god he's only like 32 or 31 i'm like he's totally could you know he's not even like he's not an old dude at all like no it's, it's interesting how young these people are but like when when i think about myself i'm like oh like i feel old but that's just because i'm myself you know and that's growing up and all that stuff you know another thing i wanted to ask you about um which i i, I meant to before you mentioned blood on the dance floor and all yeah. that and how people like just sort of weren't aware of this stuff. And you tweeted something about blood on the dance floor and Onision and I don't remember who, well, who else it was. And I was like, man, there was a lot of creepy stuff going on back then. Yeah. You know, what's interesting is I've hung out with a lot of people that have been called out, <laughs> like, which actually I think taught me well on what not to be like. I mean, the first warp tour I did the person that was on my bus was front porch step. And Ooh. right after that, he got called out. Um, and I'm not saying these people like were bad to me necessarily or anything, yeah. but it was things that I've taken and learned from. And, and during that time, I was also hanging out with the YouTuber V1 I and he got called out after that as well. I hung out with ghost town on Brian stars tour and they got called out. It's like, oh. and then um, I met Joel from get scared like quite a lot and same thing. And it's just like, yeah, with Blow on the Dance Floor and stuff like that. Or like Austin Jones was in My yeah. Digital Escape. And that was a massive one to, you know, be in a collab channel with somebody that literally goes to jail. And, you know, that was on the news. Like my grandparents were saying that. It's like, oh, my God. And to be fair, my understanding, he wasn't like a big part of it, right? No. So he was he was in the beginning of the channel when we first started it. I only talked to him like twice and it was him just messaging me. Hey, can you promote my cover? Yeah. <laughs> so it was really douchey and annoying. But there was a lot of a lot of creepy stuff going on back then that yeah i wonder if like parents weren't in the media just didn't care enough to pay attention or what it was yeah i think it was normalized unfortunately in a lot of ways like i, I don't think people 
really, I, well, one, people didn't have the voices they have now with just social media and anyone be able to, you know, say anything, which in some ways is great. And then obviously in some ways people can just say like, John, I met Johnny he's a fucking dick. And it's like, okay, yeah. um, how can you defend yourself from that? But, uh, yeah, with, um, that type of stuff, I think, uh, the whole, like, I don't know. I, I was a big fan of blow on the dance floor back in the day too and stuff. And, um, that was a big one to see their controversies, like actually, get more concrete and everything and just like realizing oh man that is really gross yeah i just i don't know where i was getting out with all of it but yeah it's it's pretty toxic but i i don't think it's just something that lies in the alternative emo scene and i hate that people paint it out that way unfortunately i think it's in all of society and it's not okay and it sucks but it's not just a social media thing i don't think and maybe it has you know you, you hear about it probably more because those people have some form of relevancy i guess that people know about them more um but unfortunately it's something gross that i think happens in all of society whether it's just you know going to walmart and meeting so like it could be anybody being a creep um well i think at that time especially the fan base was so young and so female at the time that it was just sort of like a bad set of circumstances that enabled bad people to get away with stuff yeah whereas now the fan base is not as young and not as naive. And there's, you know, eighth, I, I don't know what eighth grade girls are into now. Cause I don't hang out with them, but fair, <laughs> yeah. but they're not into, you know, that kind of music anymore. So I feel like it was just sort of like, I don't know, no. a bad set of circumstances that doesn't exist anymore. Plus I think also in the alternative music scene, when it does get called out, I think people take it seriously. Mm-hmm. Whereas you know, I, I would imagine rappers do the most foul shit, but nobody cares. Yeah, I've heard some stories. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I think that's completely valid and true. And um, yeah, the list goes on and on. And it's uh, I've I've seen some people be like kind of weird with girls like and it sucks to see and stuff. And it made me kind of realize like, OK, that's like I mean, that's always been something that's the people I grew up watching. Just the the message they always put out was the total opposite of that type of stuff. Yeah. So I think that really influenced me to not be like that. But I guess just seeing people get called out for that stuff and everything. And just like we would have meetings on Warp Tour about Austin Jones being on it and stuff like, should he be on it? And it's like, no, like even yeah. if it's just if asking you have for to have this meeting, the answer is no. Even, even if it's just asking for twerking videos, of course not. Or like yeah. the front porch stuff, stuff, there would be meetings. And it's like me at 16, 17 years old on Warp Tour, like talking about these people that I was kind of like in the same atmosphere of. It was so weird, but it also just taught me like, okay, this is like, obviously just like, I don't know. It just made me like focus on like that type of shit that happens. Unfortunately, it's also totally unfair and inappropriate to like ask a 17 year old, the question of should this person be on the tour? Well, it was, it wasn't really, it was a whole like group of the warp tour. Like it was like, everyone would be involved. That was on warp tour. Yeah, I know. I get it. But like a lot of them are like young people. It's like, it's on the leadership, the people running yeah. the tour to make that decision. You don't like kick that down to a bunch of people in their late teens and early 20s. Yeah, there was even like a meeting about Johnny Craig with that stuff, too. And I remember all like, that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And I was there for that. And it's like I was very young and it's just it was very interesting. But I I could see I think it's like trying to let like people be like, oh, well, I want people to better themselves and stuff. But sometimes when it yeah. comes to situations like that, where there people are vulnerable and stuff, you just cannot allow it even. If people are still allowed to grow, um, which everyone always is hopefully growing in some way uh, and bettering themselves, you can't. But they don't need to grow on this tour right now. 
Absolutely. And that's, I think that's a perfect example is unfortunately, like sometimes when you do bad things, you lose opportunities, you lose, uh, respect. And, and that's just, that's your consequences. That's what you deserve on honestly. So yeah, that's how I see it. I agree. Cool. Well, I appreciate your time. I will let you go. Um, and, uh, I will catch you, uh, yeah, I'll catch, I'll catch you on Instagram. Awesome. Thank you so much, Finn. I appreciate you. All right, my friends, that does it for this episode of the podcast. If you made it this far, thank you. Thank you for listening. We sincerely appreciate each and every one of you. If you want to help the show, there's a couple things that you can do. First of all, share it on social media. If you share it, tag us, tag Finn McKenty, that's me, and tag Deanna Chapman, that's a producer. Second thing you can do, if you really, really, really love us and really want to support us, you can support us on Patreon. There's a link to that in the show notes. You can leave a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever else you're listening to this, or you can do none of that. And you can just sit at home, think about how awesome this podcast is. That works too. Again, thank you very much to each and every one of you for listening. We sincerely appreciate it, and we'll see you next time. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I don't think it overstates things to say that the Beatles were the greatest gift to entertainment and culture of our time, a secular religion, if you will, with their universal appeal and demonstrable impact on people's lives. I'm Robert Rodriguez, host of Something About the Beatles. With every episode, I speak with historians, musicians, artists, and Beatle witnesses, all in the service of fresh insights into the most joyous cultural entity the world has ever known. I hope you'll join me and listen to something about the Beatles, now on Evergreen, and wherever you get your podcasts.